All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Durr, and today I'm joined by the fellas from Latitude Outdoors. I have the three founders, Alex, Kevin, and Jake, on with me to discuss the journey that is Latitude Outdoors. We're also breaking down the individual gear setups these guys are using. So if you're interested in learning what the founders of a saddle hunting company are using as far as their gear setups, we break it down in this podcast. I've been running the Latitude saddles for the last two years, and I recently just started using the X-Wing platform, out-of-the-box design, super functional. I really love that platform and everything that Latitude stands for. It's a super great company. A lot of things align with us here at Exodus, so love to support those guys. Also, I hope everyone out there listening to this is having a fantastic season The weather in October has just been absolutely amazing. You cannot ask for much more. The end of the month is approaching. The hunting is just going to keep getting better. I hope you guys are out there capitalizing. As always, guys, make sure you're checking out all the Exodus content. We're ramping things up daily here with the Exodus podcast, the land podcast, and the Exodus YouTube channel. Tons of great content, tons of great, really timely content on hunting that specific time of year. I know I've learned almost everything that I know about deer hunting from the Exodus podcast and from our YouTube channel. It's up there at the top of all whitetail information. With all of that being said, I won't make this intro any longer than it needs to be. Let's get into the podcast with Latitude Outdoors. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. This is a podcast that I've been waiting for for a long time. I've I've been really excited to talk to the guys from Latitude. Started running a lot of their products last fall, and I'm a fanboy, to be quite honest. I, I love what you guys have going on. So thanks for taking some time to talk with me today. So we got Kevin. Um Alex and Jake here. So if you guys see some crossover in, in audio, we got three people. So um, why don't we start off with uh, some introductions, start with Kevin there, and then we'll work our way around. Yeah, hey, Cameron. So Kevin Leach, um, the three of us are the co-founders of Latitude Outdoors. Uh, we're just buddies from college. We happen to all grow up in the same hometown, but we met in college and started hunting and fishing together and kind of building our own gear and equipment. And we're, we've always been tinkering with different things. And, um, you know, we, we kind of started to, to use saddles in the field because of where we're at in Michigan. None of us have access to big private or, you know, multiple private. So we've been pounded on public land for a long time here. And it's just, you know, terrain to move around in and the saddles make a lot of sense. And, um, you know, we kind of started building our own thing, which we'll get into, but, um, I personally grew up here, Grand Rapids, Michigan, the west side of the state. Um, we all went to the University of Michigan. That's the college we met at. Um, I have an athletic background. I got to play football there in college. Jake did as well. He'll go into that, I'm sure. Um, and then just grew up around bow hunting, fishing the outdoors. You know, my dad, similar to me, he's never hunted private. He's been bow hunting, I think, for 50 years. He's been one of those one of those guys with the old school stories before they had tree stands and they were you know shooting stick bows and that was the only thing that was available so grew up around it um you know and just really enjoyed doing it so that's me alex uh yeah so uh i'm alex chop my uh my story is very similar 
to both of these guys actually, but um, I grew up in Grand Rapids as well uh, and then went to U of M and then uh, Kevin and I went to Notre Dame as well where we did a, um, we actually did a interesting program there together where uh, I was focused on entrepreneurship. So that was a, a big catalyst for what is Latitude Outdoors today. Um, hunting wise, I was introduced by my dad. He's uh, just just like Kev's dad, an old school Michigan guy who focused primarily on public land up in the UP. And um, he used to take me up there to scout. And that's how I got introduced to to the obsession that is bow hunting. Very cool. What about you, Jake? Yeah, so like everybody said, from West Michigan, grew up in Grand Rapids. <clears throat> um, just played football and lacrosse in high school, was really into sports. And then, like Kevin mentioned, carried on into college as well. And then kind of after that, I'd always been a very avid hunter and fisherman. And after sports, it was kind of that was that was now the sport, right? So uh, just been an obsessive bow hunter and uh, fly fisherman ever since, and also very interested kind of in product development and always tinkering with things. And Kevin didn't mention this, but we had a lot of different little projects we've worked on through the years that just never really went anywhere, but always had a lot of fun doing it. And then you know, this opportunity kind of presented itself and we were doing some different things and had some cool ideas that other people seem to be drawn to as well. And um, <clears throat> we've been running with it ever since. I, after college, had a uh, manufacturing engineering background and sort of transferred those skill sets into, into what we're doing now and with all the uh, Latitude products. So that's, that's kind of my role in the company is uh, we do a lot of the, the manufacturing, the quality control, um, operations, that kind of thing. Very cool. Very cool. Um, funny story. I was enrolled in Grand Valley State for a semester. I never ended up going, though. I was, I was going to try to walk on to play baseball. And okay. I had, I had a, a different, I went a different route. I went to uh, a division two school in Pennsylvania, but um, Grand Valley state is one of the coolest campuses I have ever stepped foot on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, my, uh, it's right around the corner. My, my wife and brother actually both went there. They, it's they a great it. school. Great school. Steven Ronella, uh, Grand Valley state guy. So um, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yep. Yep. A lot of, Lot of hunters coming out of Grand Valley State, I can imagine. I just said, at, at like anywhere in the uh, state of Michigan. So very cool. So, yeah, you like you guys said, growing up in Michigan, kind of with old school fathers. I had um, a pretty similar upbringing in the state of Pennsylvania. So super old school guy. Um, you hunt this way. You know, this is what we do. You have your stand set here. And why do you have your stand set there? Well, that, because that's the way it's been for 50 years and there wasn't a whole lot of variation. Um, so kind of as you guys were growing up, at what point did you realize that the old school way wasn't for you? Uh, I guess I can, I Go can ahead, take Al. that yeah. one first, I guess. Um, 
you know, I think that for me, it was a, um, it was a process. I was almost forced into it just because I wasn't having success doing what I was introduced to. Um, and it was just so dang hard. Like, you know, if you have to make changes throughout the season, the way I was doing it preset stands like my dad, it was just impossible. Um, so I don't know if there was ever a real big epiphany moment. It was just a, a natural progression, trying to get better and trying to have more success in the woods. I, I think that's really what, what happened for me. Kevin, what about you? I've always hunted mobile. Um, my, my dad's always hunted mobile. Uh, he's a pretty risk averse personality. So leaving stuff out on public land for any length of time is not something he ever did <laughs> just for fear of it being stolen, which is easily, unfortunately that easily happens in Michigan. Um, so I've always hunted mobile. Uh, I started with kind of your traditional hang on tree stand stuff. And, um, you know, I, I kind of quickly, I, I'm kind of a gearhead, right? So I, I could tell immediately doing that, that I wanted to get lighter and more streamlined. And I progressed through that and felt like I hit a wall with where I could maximize that with the tree stand pretty quickly. Um, and I had, I guess, kind of an epiphany moment. I felt like I had my, my setup as light as I could get it. And, um, it, uh, I shot a good buck, three and a half year old, uh, respectable buck on, on Michigan public land way back in a swamp. And, you know, it took me six hours to get him out of there on my own with the tree stand on my back with the pack. And, and then I, I was so beat. I didn't hunt the rest of the week and I'd taken several days off work and I was just, I was just done. And so I just, that was kind of the light bulb where I was like, there's gotta be a better way to do this. Um, do I really need this big platform and basically a chair up in the air? Um, and that's when my dad kind of mentioned, hey, we'll try this thing. He had an old Anderson tree sling down in the basement that I think my mom bought him in the early 90s for $35 at a mire um, back in the day. And I just started messing with that and tinkering with that. And and we can kind of talk to how that eventually evolved in, into what is now our two panel saddle products. Um, but that was kind of I guess the light bulb moment for me, it made sense. I just, you know, wanted to make some changes to the product itself sure. uh, to get out of it what I was looking for. But sure. What about you, Jake? Yeah. So for me, it, it, it was similar to Alex's story. It was kind of a progression. I mean, growing up, probably up until college, it was always, my hunting was always hunting like little pieces of private, uh, that we would get like permission or something to hunt on my dad and I, or Alex and I hunted some of those pieces together. And, and it was always presets and, you know, they weren't, it was, I'm talking about like, you'd have like, here's 10 acres of hardwoods or something. It, it wasn't anything that was holding a lot of deer. So it was basically, you know, just be out there at the right, in the right spot, at the right time during the rut or whatever and you know hopefully something to come by and then in college we started hunting Alex and I Kevin was playing more football um, late in college we were hunting a particular piece of public uh, near Ann Arbor about an hour away a little less than that and this the, the way this piece kind of laid out like we were 
parking way far away from the deer and walking way in. And we just kind of always wanted to get in deeper and deeper. And this piece had an interesting access by water, but you know, we were just basically living in an apartment and had no money for fancy gear or equipment at the time. So we were just walking on foot mostly, no, no, no equipment at all. And that kind of progressed over the next few years into, okay, let's, let's get a, a kayak or an old canoe off of Craigslist and get back in there and, you know, set some presets, but then you're kind of stuck to that as Alex has said. And at a certain point, it just became obvious that a saddle was the way to go if you're if you're going to hunt like that because it's light it's fast you know you can hunt the ground if you want and then if you find the right tree you can you can hunt elevated as well and after that it's kind of been that's been the uh the strategy ever ever since until we find something better <laughs> yeah yeah i think um i had a, a very similar um progression myself so I didn't start hunting until I graduated college. I deer hunted, like I rifle hunted, but I never bow hunted until I graduated college. My graduation present to myself was a bow. Um, I wanted to connect with my dad a little more. So I started bow hunting and my first season was like preset stands, ladder stands, places that they have always hunted. And then um, my dad did have a mobile mindset to where he would use a climber. And he's like, nah, this is the way you got to do it. You got to use a climber. I'm like, all right. So I take this climber. I'm 5'8", 160 pounds. I take this 25-pound climber into the woods, and I'm trying to carry this thing around, walking a pretty good ways, you know, trying to get away from people. And um, I hunted with that climber for one season, and I told myself I'm never hunting elevated again because I don't want to carry in that climber. So I'm just going to hunt from the ground and um, eventually started learning more about the lighter tree stand options. Did one year with a, uh, like a Hawk helium set. You had the stand, the sticks that's still weighed 20 pounds when you put everything together and I'd hang it in a tree and I would never take it down. So I'd have to buy another one. Cause I was like, well, I'm not going to deal with this to, to take it down. And then um, started working for Exodus and Chad had a saddle that he was like, I don't use that thing. You can give it a shot. And I put that on and I was like, this is what I've been looking for this whole time. And once I started, um, hunting out of a saddle, I killed one, one buck without having a saddle in my repertoire. And then ever since then, the versatility of having a saddle. And like Jake mentioned, you can either hunt on the ground if you don't find what you're looking for, or you can pop up in a tree really easily and you don't have anything super heavy to carry around. You just have a set of sticks and a platform. And, um, it's like you, like the, um, you guys kind of popped on the scene at the same time tethered was popping up on the scene and everything was like saddle hunting. And I was like, this was made for me. This is, I like felt like saddles were made specifically for me. So, um, I appreciate you guys, um, coming up with that. So, Alex, what was, um, what was your first introduction to a saddle? Was it the same type of thing that Kevin was talking about, the sling? Actually, the exact same scenario. My dad had an old Anderson sling that he never used, and I, I, um, I messed around with it, but um, I, I really 
I didn't dive into it. I mean, it was just, it was a mess for me. I mean, I like, I like gear to be as easy and simple as possible. So that Anderson sling, all it was really comfortable, honestly, but I struggled with it just from a, um, speeds standpoint, you know, getting to the tree, I had to like untangle this thing and then get up in the tree. And I just didn't like that. So I went back to my, um, kind of jumping around a little bit, but I did go through that evolution of using your mobile lock-ons, right? So I did the whole lone wolf thing and that was my primary, um, piece of equipment until we started messing around with saddles until the modern saddles came out, we started playing around with them. Um, so that, that was my intro though, was that Anderson sling and you can, you know, Kev ended up doing that first prototype and you'll see just the, the similarities between that Anderson sling and, and the method. So, well, Kevin, let's dive into to how that progressed. Yeah, sure. Cameron. So, uh, it all started in a hotel in Midland, Michigan. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've told the story a few times, but basically, you know, I was traveling for work uh, and staying in a hotel up in Midland, Michigan every week on a, on a project for a couple of years. And um, you run out of things to do in Midland pretty quick. It's an awesome little town, awesome people. But, um, you know, this the way my mind works, uh, it immediately went to tinkering with gear in my free time. And um, I just, you know, I kind of took what I had modified with the Anderson Sling and and um, just started to really refine what it was and what it could be. So I basically bring a bunch of materials up to the hotel for the week, pin things together, test them, bring them home on the weekend, sew it together, test it in the tree at home. Did that for maybe three, four months, blew up a couple sewing machines off of Amazon and then showed them to Jake and Al and said, hey guys, this like there's a lot of work left to be done, but I feel like this is different than some of these new ones that have come out. These are the reasons try it, see if you feel the same. And they did. Um, so then we started collaborating on it together. Um, that was kind of winter, early spring timeframe. I think when we first got together on it and we spent the whole rest of that year and, and that fall developing it, we expanded our test pool to some friends, you know, probably a dozen other guys running prototypes. Um, and 20 months later is when we finally launched the company. So it was almost two years of development, um, you know, probably about 200 prototypes uh, for that method saddle when it first launched. Um, and then obviously a year later, we kind of refined it even further with what is now the method two with the magnetic connections and everything. But that's really how it started. It was just uh, a little bit of boredom and a little bit of, hey, there's some problems with some of these new ones I've tried and I feel like we've already partially solved those. Let's take it a step further and share it and see if other people would be interested in using them as well. That's very cool. What, um, what were some of those things that you weren't happy with that you were like, well, this is what needs to be changed to come up with the right one. I, I think the first one and Alex hit on it with the Anderson sling, it was just the ease of use. Um, you know, that was, it's kind of a ball of seatbelt webbing. And once you get it in the right place, and if it kind of sits correctly on your body size and shape, you can get comfortable in it. But, um, I think, you know, everything new that was coming out were the single, more traditional single, well, we think of them as the more traditional designs now, but the single panel designs, and they're just really easy to use. Um, but, you know, traditionally you need to, it seems like the bigger a single panel saddle is, the more comfort you get out of it. 
And then you get to a point where there's diminishing returns with the whole point of going to a saddle, being lightweight and streamlined. Um, and we felt like if we could take a two panel, which is really comfortable in the tree, because it has so much adjustability to get it to work for your body size and shape and make it just as easy to use and even more streamlined when your feet are on the ground, you know, we'd, we'd have something, right? That's a little different. So I think ease of use and solving the problem of um, being both comfortable and lightweight and streamlined or comfortable in the tree, lightweight, streamlined on the ground was the first big um, thing we tried to solve for. After that, it was refinement of some things that really helped us, um, I would say, be more efficient and successful in the field. Uh, things like removing as much metal, if not all the metal, out of the system as possible. So we have our rope belt, and we can talk more about that. But, um, you know, there's little things like that, removable leg straps. We didn't want leg straps in the way, clicking and clanking and restricting our legs when we're walking through these thick, nasty swamps. And, you know, we're sucking two feet down into the mud, and we got to step up over a, a log, and, and those are in the way. So we just want to keep those out of the way until we get to the tree. Things like that, and it all stemmed from uh, needs in the field um, after that first main problem uh, was really solved. Yeah, it's very clear that um, you guys thought of everything. Go ahead, Alex. No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say, Kev, you forgot one of your biggest pet peeves, and I remember this specifically because we were at Jake's house, and you brought over every saddle that exists at this point, and. Um, Kev has no ass, so he was just going on and on about how he couldn't get the saddle to stay on him in the tree. So I yeah. remember that whole conversation, and that was um, that was a big pain point. It seems simple, but you got it. You don't want your saddle riding up your back, and that's what that two panel eliminates. That it does a great job of not riding up on you, and that's I th in my opinion, that's one of the big drivers of comfort with that two panel saddle. And it seems simple and stupid, but I just, I remember Kev hated that. So Great <laughs> yeah. point. I had, uh, I used a pleated style saddle before I tried a two panel saddle. And that was what Kevin was talking about, where you get to a point where you get diminishing return and it was just big, you know, it was like comfortable as heck when I was sitting up there, but I just was, it was bulky. It was hard to walk in. And, um, I, I like the idea of having the pleat, but, the pleat only went so far and it only had one adjustment. So it, it was either open or closed and that's all you got out of it. And I still would find that it would ride up as the hunt went on or as I was walking in. Um, and then I tried the two panel saddle and I was like, well, it was uh, John Eberhart was like, if you're going to hunt out of a saddle, it needs to be a two panel saddle. And I was like, well, if John, the godfather of saddle hunting says, so I better try it out. And I tried a, a method too. And I was like, this thing is like what I thought was comfortable. Isn't actually comfortable. <laughs> this is true comfort, you know? So um, I'm on board with the two panel saddles. Do you guys all use a two panel saddle? We do. Yeah. yeah we all yeah, run we our all method too. Yep. So no one's running the, the classic. Uh, not consistently. Now. We'll use it here and there, but. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to keep in mind, keep in mind, Kim, that like we obviously basically custom built the method for ourselves. Right. So, <laughs> so we're wrong that one. Right. So, you know, we have a lot of, there are a ton of people who really like that classic saddle. Um, it's just, we struggle to market it a little bit because it gets overshadowed and um, 
but it is it is a nice saddle and there's a lot of people there's even some people who prefer it so yeah i have a but my buddy trey um has the classic saddle and he really likes it he doesn't know any different he's never done a two panel so as far as the single panel goes um it has pretty much everything that the two panel has minus the second panel correct yeah, it's a very, very uh, premium single panel saddle. It's got the metal free belt on it, removable leg straps, uh, the the bridge adjustment, the Amsteel adjustable bridge. Um, there's even vertical supports in there. One thing we found with other single panel saddles is is that if if the body of the saddle crunches down on itself, that leads to a lot of discomfort, either hip pinch or riding up. So those vertical supports in there help eliminate uh, that saddle from bunching up on itself. Uh, so yeah, it's a very nice saddle. Cool. Yeah, the attention to detail on everything that you guys have um, produced is second to none. Like everywhere you look that you think like, oh, maybe they should have done this or maybe they should have done this, it's done. Um, so it's really Thank cool. The, the, I have a question on the removable leg straps. Do you still use them the way that you were intending to with where you put them on when you get to the tree? Yeah, if you're using the removal leg straps, you we dangerous we question. Tree. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Jake. Pass. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, the design intent behind the removal leg straps is definitely to you know eliminate that discomfort of the leg straps flopping around and jingling around between your legs while you're hiking through the brush. Right. So the having them on before you climb, usually put the, just keep them in your dump pouch and, and throw them on before you start ascending the tree. Sure. Kevin, what were you we saying? We always recommend. Yeah. We always recommend you wear them, Cameron. I, we're not, um, you know, dumb to the fact there's, there's, some guys out there probably not using them once they get comfortable. We just don't recommend that. Um, you know, the leg straps are, are there to keep the saddle in place. If you were to slip and fall and um, the saddle is going to catch you and the, the leg straps just, you know, kind of help it stay where it needs to be. And, and they absorb some of the shock if that were to happen. So it is important that you have them on. Yeah. I, so I uh, was like, Oh man, that's such a good idea the taking them off because you talk to a lot of people they don't use them at all you know and i was i started the way you guys intended it where i don't put them on until i get to the tree and then i had to put them on when i got to the tree and i found for me that i hated doing that i hated putting them on when i got to the tree i was ready to climb so i leave them on the saddle but i connect them and leave them behind me and then i usually just stuff them in my pockets while i'm walking then i get to the tree and I attach them and then I can't make some of the shots that you find yourself making without them because the saddle will just slide around your back if you don't have them on your leg. So I wear them all the time, but I was just curious if, if you guys ended up like, no, it's just a little bit easier to just leave them on the whole time or you still were putting them on when you got to the tree. Yeah, I think it's a, it's definitely a personal preference thing. I, I mean, I like, that's a great idea to have them in your pocket like that. So you have them attached in the back, right? Yep. And then, yeah, that's a great idea. So. Yeah. You have pockets right there. So just stuff them in the pockets. And then when you get to the tree, pull them out mm -hmm. and you're good to go. We'll have to put yeah, that exactly in there. Right. 
product explanation video. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit more about um, you guys just released two platforms that are super exciting. Let's cover those. Um, and then we'll move on to some other things that you guys are personally using yourselves. So who wants to tackle the, the platforms? Alex, why don't you give a rundown first? Go from there. Okay. Um, yeah. So we have, we just launched two uh, new platforms that are part, part of this speed series that we're building out. Um, we have the rebel platform and then the X-Wing. The Rebel is more of a standard shape platform that gives you uh, a little bit more foot room for the guys who like that. And then the X-Wing is, it's really a, a specialist product and we're, we're still figuring out. We know that we really like it and that's the one that we run, um, but public opinion on it is still up for debate, right? Um, we designed that to be as light and compact as possible uh, while still giving you uh, the foot room you need if you do need to stand up and adjust. Um, but the main benefit of that X-Wing platform is pivoting support. So uh, compared to a traditional square platform, right, you just have a ton, a lot more surface area on the edge to put your feet and push off against um, so that you don't get caught off guard with an, an odd angle shot. Um, the backside of the wings obviously help you move around the tree better. Um, and then you also get a more natural wide stance when you're just sitting there waiting on a deer too. Um, and that helps with fatigue a little bit. Kevin, are you going to say something? Yeah. Yeah. So just to add to the X-Wing, I mean, I, I personally in, in the past, um, you know, kind of like John Eberhart, you mentioned Cam, I have been a ring of steps guy. Um, I've always liked the, the weight reduction, the packability, but you know, one of the, the big advantages of a saddle is, you know, if you use ring of steps, being able to move 360 and shoot 360 around a tree. Um, and you still can shoot 360 with most platforms out there, but we felt like, you know, there was an opportunity to significantly improve your agility in the tree to make shots. And what spit out from all of our testing and getting busted by deer and not being able to make those shots at times when one sneaks up on you in the rut was the X-Wing shape. Um, so whether it's taking that weak side shot by remaining on the backside of the tree and using it as cover instead of having to stand and turn around in front of the deer, you know, that's a huge one. Um, two falls ago, that that's how I got busted on one that should have been a chip shot. Um, it's because I had to do all that movement in front of the deer. Um, so that's the backside of the wings that Alex mentioned. That's, you know, how do you get it so that you can push off the back of that side of that platform and have it remain stable um, and stay behind that tree and take the shot. So that is really the big impetus behind that. Now, we obviously, with everything, try to make it as lightweight as possible. So it is also one of the lightest platforms on the market. Um, while still retaining the ability to stand up and, and take a shot if that's what you want to do or if that's what the situation calls for. So uh, it's only two and a half pounds. So, it, you know, we tend to, well, I think most of us, um, just depending on how far of a walk it's going to be, I mean, I'll, I tend to just use a couple of night eyes gear ties and hang on the back of my saddle on the way in and kind of forget it's there. Um, so that's really nice. That, that for me personally, you know, kind of does a lot of what the ring of steps does. Um, but 
it's more comfortable. So sure. yeah, that, that product, yeah, uh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say Sorry, Cam. like what Kevin mentioned about the agility in the tree and being able to get those 360 degree degrees of shots. If you look at both the rebel and the X-wing platform side by side, they, they both have those features, but with the X-wing, you're going to be a little bit lighter and those angles for your feet are going to be a little more aggressive. What does the rebel weigh? The rebel weighs in at 2.7 uh, pounds. Oh, so when you say a little bit lighter, it's like not, it's, it's two ounces. Bit. Yeah. About a quarter of a pound. Yeah. Cool. Cool. The, the X-Wing, uh, when I saw it released, it was like one of those products where you're like, how did they come up with that? You know, it's almost like you see the, all the other platforms, they're all the same in one way or another. They're all, they're a different shape, but they all do the same thing. And then there hasn't been anything revolutionary, you know, like kind of gets stagnant and, uh, one company comes out with an angled platform. You're like, okay, that's something new. And then you see the X-Wing release and you're like, wow, like that obviously is coming to market because it solves a problem. It's not like just Latitude needs to offer a platform because we're a saddle company. It was a, a platform that solved an issue or solved the problem. So I um, commend you guys on that. Yeah, thank you. We yeah, appreciate we, that, Cam. We try to be intentional with the things that we release. And I'm sure everybody has noticed it takes us longer than just about everybody to come out with something. And and, and it's just we're picky. And when we when we release something, we like to be sure about it and 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 provide true value to people. That X-Wing design, it didn't it wasn't like we sat down and started drawing and you know, out pop the X-Wing that the, 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 the geometry there where you have perpendicular edges that are made from the center section of the platform and the front edge of that wing. The reason that that came to be is because um, this has happened to, I think all three of us, but I'll tell you my story specifically. I was on the side of, a, of another platform, um, the side edge of it. And I had a doe come in and pin me down and Anybody who's been in a saddle has felt that kind of gravitational pull into the tree. And um, I ended up just slipping a little bit and the busted me and was blowing and blowing and blowing. And so I wanted something on the side of my foot so that I could counteract that gravitational pull into the tree in case I have to be on the side of my platform for extended periods of time. Um, so it's just little things like that. There's some other little details there. The um, adjustment knob for the angle of the platform, it's raised slightly above the surface of the platform. And again, that is the way that it is because we've had issues adjusting the angle of the platform, trying to, you know, dig down in there and, and find that adjustment knob. Um, you can also adjust it without stuff. having to climb back down on a stick. If you get up there and you're on, on a hunt and you want to adjust the tilt, you can do it with your foot. Yeah, great point. And um, there's also a, a ring of step slot on the front of the post. And um, that's because Kev loves to run a ring of steps with a platform and he had issues with vertical alignment with that ring of steps. So we, you know, threw a slot on the front of that post to make sure that that's easier and faster during setup. Um, so it's just little things like that. It's, it's a very detailed platform and we spent a lot of time on that X-Wing specifically. 
So, yeah, it's, it's super cool. Um, so you mentioned there's, uh, it takes you guys a little bit longer to come out with things. Um, is there, uh, a precursor to the, the climbing method? I knew you were going to ask that. I didn't want yeah. to, I didn't want to, but you brought it up. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, that's a, um, it's a top priority item for us, right? We've been working on it for a long time. And, um, it's just, when you try to do new things, you, you run into issues, right? Things that have never been done before, you're going to run into issues and, and we don't want to come out with something that isn't right. It, it needs to be right before we launch it. We don't want recalls. We don't want to have to, uh, exchange. We, when you get your sticks, we want them to work right out of the box. Um, and so, that's that's when you'll see the sticks when they're when they're ready to go so well I, i'm glad you guys we want them to be ready more than anybody <laughs> trust us yeah trust us <laughs> yeah we we run into that here at exodus too everyone's like man i sure wish you guys had your cameras in stock we're like yeah we sure do too because if we can't sell them we don't like what do you want us to do yeah. and we're not they're not out of stock or we don't have new ones yet but just because we don't want to have them like we want them too so i, I definitely get that they're not too far off though, Cam. I mean, we're not going to have them for like, it's let's say Michigan opener, you know, but they're still not too far off and um, they are trending toward, you know, still being what we want them to be. And, and um, you know, they're going to, people are going to like them. They're, they're just taking a little longer than we wanted. And there's obviously some things out of your control with that in this day and age as well with materials and supply and that kind of thing. So Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, good things take time. It's a two-year project for us, right? But we mentioned it was two years to make us a, a saddle the way we wanted um, prior to launching. So um, we've been working on these for a, a while and um, hope to bring that same attention uh, to detail to them when they're they're ready to go. So, well, when they're ready, you guys got to give me a call. I leave mid yeah. mid October to late October. I'll be in Iowa, <laughs> so I'll need to be running around with something good. We'll, we'll let you know. <laughs> you'll, you'll know as soon as we have them. Trust me. Well, cool guys. There's a couple other things I want to cover. Um, new vapor lines, uh, new um, ropes for saddle hunting, something that hasn't been done. Ropes are confusing for people, right? What do I need? What, what's for saddle? Is this going to work for saddle hunting? So you guys came out with your own uh, ropes specifically built for saddle hunting. So Jake, why don't you touch on those real quick? Yeah, so we, we've got two different rope options for you now. We've got our 10 millimeter ultralight ropes, which are going to be a larger diameter, slightly bulkier than uh, the vapor line. But still, for that diameter rope, it's going to be some of the lightest and most packable rope on the market. And then we've got our more premium option, the vapor line ropes which were custom built from the ground up for saddle hunting. Um, we used a uh, Dyneema core, which is the using the strongest Dyneema on the market in the core, 100% polyester sheath for increased reduction in abrasion on the sheath. You'll see uh, some of the other eight millimeter ropes on the market after half a season will be all roughed up and dirty 
and they're just not working like they were when they were brand new. So these vapor lines are gonna work a little bit longer for you. And uh, they're gonna be the, they're very supple. So when you're adjusting your knots, um, you're, you're not gonna have a lot of issues snagging and you know, stuff getting coiled up on you and hard to get back into your pouch. So a little bit increased packability there. And uh, yeah, they're, they're super strong over 5,500 pound breaking strength. So for a, a you know very minimal diameter packable rope, very, very safe. Those um, those vapor line ropes are our, our premium rope, right? That's gonna be the most compact rope that you, you can get for saddle hunting. The, with that being said, those ultralight 10 millimeter ropes are by far the best value that a person can invest in for their saddle hunting system. They're smaller and stronger than anything else in the market at that price point. So um, that's something that those are new for us. So we're working on getting the word out on those. But um, Kevin Jake did a great job on those ropes. And if you're if you don't want to spend $75 on a tether, look at those ultralight 10 millimeter ropes because you can't you will not find a better value for that so um just a little side note there on that yeah very cool it's 40 percent lighter than a traditional 11 11 millimeter rope or tree tether that comes with most saddles now um and one thing with the larger diameter uh john heberhardt again taught me this it's a little bit easier to untie knots with a larger diameter rope. So he, he still uses, um, he talks about things being archaic. He still uses like 12 millimeter rope for his tether. <laughs> and he says that because it's easier for him to untie knots or retie knots rather than an eight millimeter rope. So that, that 10 millimeter is going to be easier to tie and untie than the, the eight. Yeah. That's it's also compatible with some additional uh, devices that are on the market that that you know we've had requests for people that want to use a rope man one and you know you, you really can't with the vapor lines because it's out of spec i mean at least you can't safely we can't safely tell you to do that so uh they it, there's more device compatibility with a little bit larger sizes well we just didn't want to go all the way to that traditional 11 millimeter construction because it in our eyes it's just too bulky right so we wanted to try to retain that price point but produce something that's you know, just over um, almost half the weight, right? It, it's that much lighter because we changed the, the construction and twice the strength. Uh, so they, they do actually have a similar construction to our vapor lines. Um, and uh, so like Alex said, they're, they're a really, really good option, especially for the guy that's just starting out. Maybe he's got a little bit tighter budget, especially, you know, this year, everyone's got, uh, you know, gas is a little more expensive this year. So uh, they're a great option if you're driving a truck around, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then but, I guess one more thing we kind of failed to, to mention, we mentioned it before, but all of our rope options come out of the package ready to use with a one hand adjustability. As Alex mentioned, you know, we don't want any products going out the door that you have to add something to it to get it to work for you. So that's one thing I think that sets us apart from a lot of the other companies out there right now is 
you know, you go and buy a premium rope and then you got to add a, a sender or something like that to it or some sort of modification to your Prusik knot and adding a tender uh, to get it to work for you. And all of ours, live and ropes and tethers come like that in the package ready to go. Yeah, and, and it works. if you want to upgrade from there, you, you can. So It works just as well as a rope man i had never used the tender until i got your guys's ropes and i have a kong on my tether and i just leave the tender on my lineman's belt to save a little bit of weight and it does the same thing i mean it's it's pretty much just as easy to use uh one yeah we, we yeah we all we all use it just how it comes in the package honestly because it's a little bit more streamlined less you know metal in the woods to clank together or hit off your stick or something like that while you're climbing. Sure. So, so. Um, one more product that you guys had developed that I just love the knee pads, best knee pads for saddle hunting that I have found easily and not just saddle hunting, just hunting in general. When I, even when I don't saddle hunt and I hunt on the ground, I'm wearing those knee pads every time I had a cheaper pair of knee pads that didn't bend with you when you walked and that's a big deal. So touch on those real quick. Yeah. So Jake and I actually ran similar knee pads to those. Um, and that articulated design was just glaringly obvious as, as far as how important it is, because we like to wear our knee pads into the woods so we don't have to mess around with them at the tree. Um, so the knee pads also have an elastic band uh one of the straps is elastic and that combined with that articulation makes sure that those stay up while you're walking around whereas if you've tried some other knee pads you'd probably notice them dragging down on your shin after you've walked for a little while um with our knee pads we upgraded the cordura to a more durable uh version uh just because we had some some wear issues with the ones that we had ran previous to us coming out with our own. Uh, and then we eliminated all the, the Velcro and there's custom elastic uh, strap keepers on there too, to keep everything nice and organized. Um, and obviously the, the Vibram caps are, in our opinion, crucial, right? That, that kind of grippy rubber for on the tree. If you've got a plastic cap on your knee pad, you're gonna get uh, sliding and noise and um, was really important to us as well. Yeah. I love those things, man. Those are, I'll, those are uh, something that I always have on no matter what, no matter where I'm hunting, no matter how I'm hunting, they, you don't even know they're there. I used to wear pants with knee pads built in and I'll just take those knee pads out, throw your guys's on and I'm hunting. It's like, it's a must for me. And I have other people that are, they ask me, do you need knee pads for saddle hunting? Yes, you do. In my opinion. Yes, you do. Yeah. Knee pads are just, they're they're really important when you're hunting from a saddle and it's easy to overlook it and I we get a lot of weird looks sometimes like what do you mean I need knee pads to go hunting but it, it, they're just important to protect your knees for one but also for shooting right because a, a big advantage of shooting from a saddle is being able to use the tree as extra support and stability for your shot and if you don't have a knee pad that, that works properly and grips that bark while you're shooting um, you're gonna, you're not gonna have that advantage. So, um, knee pads are a, a very crucial item for your setup if you're hunting from a saddle. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So that's an um let's let's transition here a little bit and let's talk about personal setups for for you guys, what you're taking in with you when you're hunting, um, things that you can't hunt without, things that you thought you needed before and you're not using anymore. So um we'll go in order of introduction. So Kevin, run me through um a, a typical uh, mid-October um hunting setup for you there in Michigan. Hold on, before we start, Kev, are, so are we going to go into just like your bare bones, hunting equipment, bow, saddle, sticks, climbing stuff, all that, or are you talking about like everything in the, like a gear dump, everything in the pack? Um, a, a gear, or things that you think are like essential, or things that you take with you okay. that maybe are creative that other people aren't using, or things that you're like, I will not go into a hunt without this or um just things along that nature you don't have to tell me what kind of underwear you're wearing but um, <laughs> the uh well that every, could be like, crucial it could be if, hey, yeah. if you have a pair of underwear that you think are crucial i do i personally do but yeah. uh i want to hear every i mean this is a gear podcast so, so spill it on me the lucky undies yeah we'll get into that with jake i'm sure um i'm a pretty simple guy cam i you know i i kind of take the bare essentials right i carry three small climbing sticks um that go on, I kind of strap them to the bottom, the base of my backpack, as opposed to them pointing up and down. Cause I, I, I hate them pointing up and down. Um, but I think, you know, the, I run a small pack and it's actually, so if anyone's curious, it's a Badlands Eastern day, doesn't have a belt, doesn't have a frame. It's probably a thousand cubic inches of space in there. And I run that all season. I don't change packs when it gets colder and I got to start bringing more cold weather clothing to stay warm. I actually use the size of that pack to force me to maintain, um, you know, not bring too much stuff. Right. Um, so, you know, a typical October hunt, uh, is that with my sticks on the bottom, I'll have, uh, typically the X wing hanging off the back of my saddle on the way in with a couple night eyes gear ties, uh, sometimes I will bring uh, three steps on a strap to incorporate with that on the backside of the tree. Um, if I do happen to bring the Rebel um, for a particular sit, I'll always bring those steps. Um, I just like, uh, you know, working with those two together. Um, one of the things that I added last year, and it was actually because of you and one of your, your um, uh, geez, what's the segment you guys call where you take it or leave it on a piece of gear? Gear gimmick or Gear or gadget, yeah, was uh, is the Doyle's gear hoist. Um, that thing, I've always um, tried to be a minimalist, never brought anything to pull my bow up. I've always just strapped it to the, my pack prior to climbing. And there are just too many situations in trees where it would get hooked on branches and, and would just be a pain in the butt going up and down. Um, but boy, I added that thing and I just, I slip it on, actually a side pocket of my backpack and I cut a little hole. And so when I get to the tree, I, the only thing that touches the ground besides my boots, and this isn't because of center or anything, it's just efficiency is my bow. I literally get to the base of the tree and I grab, I can reach to my side and pull that Doyle's gear hoist hook, hook it to my bow, set my bow down and I can reach behind myself and unclip my sticks off the bottom of my pack and put the first stick on and I'm gone. Um, and I'm up and I just never have to think about uh, a bow pull up rope or, you know, my bow sticking up over my head as I'm climbing and getting in the way. So that while it's a little heavy for what it's doing and I kind of hate that about it, um, the 
the efficiency outweighs that and the ease of use outweighs that in my overall uh, system. So that's been a fun little ad. But other than that, I'm, I'm pretty simple. I bring our gear strap for, um, you know, with just a, I take most of the loops off. I, I hang my backpack on the tag like it's designed to do. I have my bow on the other side of the tree. Uh, I guess now I'm putting a GoPro on a loop in front of me, trying to get some filming done. Um, but beyond that, you know, it's just uh, the only thing that changes is what I'm bringing for clothing for the weather. Um, and I try to go ahead. Couple questions. Um, as a saddle hunter, what's your boot choice? Um, in the swamps, it's it's just rubber knee highs, um, which is where I'm spending a bulk of my time. Um, in hill country, I'll just switch over to a non-insulated. And I do non-insulated, whether it's rubber or a hike, more of a hiker. Um, and when it gets to a certain point um, in the season, I'll bring boot covers and I'll put those on in the tree. What are you using to hang your bow? I just made a little Kydex clip that screws onto the bow, lives on the bow, right on the back of the site. Cool. And then that just goes right in the loop. So what's the bow setup? I run a uh, Matthews Traverse. I have a really long draw. I'm a 31 and a half inch draw. So I, I max out the air, most arrows, just about almost don't have to cut arrows when I buy arrows. Um, but that's at 70 pounds. You know, I, it's kind of all rigged out, right? It's a heavy bow, all rigged out with the arrows and the quiver. It's like almost nine pounds. So it's a bit hefty to be carrying around. Uh, that's probably the, I, I did pick up a PSC levitate this year that I'm messing around with. Um, you know, that's going to drop four pounds off that. Um, but I'm just not comfortable enough at distance with that thing. Um, and I got it just a couple of weeks ago, so I'm not going to scramble and try to, you know, blow a hunt on, on switching bows at the last minute here, but, um, but yeah, I run the traverse. That thing is, uh, it's almost hard to miss. It's so, uh, forgiving the way I've got it set up. So, yeah, no doubt. Um, I think on the Doyle's gear hoist note, I think latitude's going to have to come out with a more streamlined version of that <laughs> because it is heavy for what it is. And there are smaller, lighter versions that aren't as good um yep. so that that's a that's something that i'll be looking forward to from you guys um alex let's move on to yours um you know my my hunting too out of the ordinary honestly it's very similar to kev's i um i run the the method saddle the x-wing platform and then climbing sticks i will run a uh, an aider with my climbing sticks i use a um a five step it's one of the alternating footstep uh aiders that you can clip on with a carabiner um and uh so then in the tree i obviously run our gear strap to hang my backpack and my bow uh for my bow hanger i'm using a um i was using a hero clip and that worked okay i was using the medium size um, but it does clank around a little bit. It's, it's definitely not ideal. This year I switched to a Genesis 3D printing gear hanger and it folds up and um, that, I mean, that worked really, really well in Nebraska. So I've only used it on one hunt, obviously, but we hunted our butts off and it worked great every time. Uh, so I would recommend that. Um, and then bow wise, I shoot a Hoyt RX3. Um, and I shoot your guys's arrows and I actually shoot the QAD Exodus <laughs> appropriately named, uh, broadheads 
the three blade broadheads on there. And I do have to thank you guys because you saved my butt in Nebraska with those arrows. Um, and I can tell you why later after I finish this gear thing. But um, and then uh, clothing wise, pretty standard. When we get colder in the later in the year, the most important piece of clothing that I bring in the woods is down pants. And I've talked about this before, but they actually have helped me tremendously. Um, and then as far as gear that I would not go in the woods without, um, obviously you need your, your hunting essentials, but there are a few things that I always have in my backpack. First is an extra headlamp because it seems like my headlamps die for either batteries run out or they just break or whatever. And there's nothing worse than having that happen. So extra headlamp compass. It seems simple and seems obvious, but I hunted without one for a long time. And then my mapping app started to spin around on me one time. And let's just say I had a long night in the woods. So compass, very important. Um, and then the other thing, our buddy, Andrew, uh, he actually showed this to me and this only works in States where you can trim branches, but, um, those little, uh, like pruning shears that like a gardener would use. I keep those in my dump pouch and I just, I can clip my way through like greenbrier or thickets or whatever. And, and obviously clearing out a tree uh, when I'm at hunting height, but those things have helped me tremendously as well. Um, That's a good tip. So those, yeah. What's your pack? Uh, this year I'm, I'm actually trying the uh, TX five backpack. Um, most people probably haven't heard about that, but I would recommend it. It is a very small profile backpack, similar to the one that Kev runs, which is really nice too from Badlands. But um, this TX5 pack is pretty cool. Um, I'm still kind of playing around with it. Uh, it seems like I switch my backpack every single year. So I'm not the right guy to ask about a backpack, but this one, uh, it, it did work really well uh, a couple of weeks ago and I'm going to keep using it. I saw that. Uh, I saw that he released that um, not too long ago. He did like a live video of showing that off. That thing looks pretty badass. It's it's really nice. I I really like the profile on it. Yep. I mean, it it stays within your. You don't have to be a big. I mean, I'm a pretty like, slim dude, so it doesn't get outside my my body, and it um it holds weight really well. And being a Midwest guy, we don't really focus on packs as much as like a western hunter but um it's definitely important that your pack holds weight properly um in this one it worked really well so i'm ha i'm happy with it do you wear a bino harness uh rarely uh i did in nebraska it just depends on where i'm hunting if i'm in areas where i have a line of sight for a long ways i will but i mean if i'm in ohio hill country i won't even bring binos to be honest Sure. Um, marsupial gear makes a really cool pouch for, um, snips. So it would hang on your, like right here on your chest on the bino harness. Oh, really? You could put it on a backpack too, but if you're walking through, it's always right here. Put them back in. Oh man. I got to get some of those. Cause the, I will say I keep those snips in my dump pouch and they, they can cut you dump yeah. pouch after a while, you know, a long time. And so, um that's cool I'll have to look at that because that's just such an important piece of gear for me yeah they're slick they're pretty cool how did the arrows save you let's talk about that 
Well, so, you know, happens every year, which is amazing. But, um, you know, I started shooting my bow the Thursday before we left and we left on the Sunday and I'm like, you know, I'm like, how did, how did I screw this up again? And, and I'm not really a bow techie guy, right? Like I'm not a guy who's playing around with his bow all season. I, my bow is to hunt with and that's it. And that's not a good thing. It's just the reality. And, um, so I got your arrows in the mail, I think on that Wednesday or maybe even that day. And I just went and started shooting them. And right out of the box, they're just darts. And you told me they were going to fly straight. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I, I got them out of the, I'm like, these are, how does this work? How is this happening? You know, I was expecting to have to do some kind of, you know, tuning to my bow or play around with it a little bit. And they just worked right out of the box. So I'm good to go. I'm good. I'm good out to 50. I'm shooting good groups. I'm, I'm ready for the trip. Go on the trip. And, um, the second hunt of the trip, I lose my release. So I'm like, and I got my backup release. So I, I have a release, but um, my backup release is a totally different style. And I mean, it's got a longer head on it too. So it changes my draw length. I'm like, okay, well, let's try this again with these new arrows, see how this goes. And, and again, they're, I mean, they're flying perfect. And even though I'm probably all screwed up because I've spent the last two years with my release that I lost. Um, but I know for a fact, I wouldn't have been able to do that with a lot of other arrow options out there because, you know, I, I've shot a lot of different arrows at this point and I've always had to do some kind of tuning. So, um, you know, in a scenario where I was kind of scrambling, um, your arrows were the <laughs> consistency that I needed. So I, I was, I was really happy with those and, you know, the shot I ended up killing the deer on was 50 yard shot with a backup release. And I mean, I got to give your arrows credit for that, honestly. So. Well, I appreciate that. I saw, um, I saw a picture of the arrow. It looked like it broke. Yeah. I mean, I hit him, um, I hit him in front of the shoulder. His, the side that I hit him on, his leg was back and I hit him Oh, this isn't a video podcast, right? So, all right. So I hit him in front of that, that shoulder, right in the heart. And then yeah. he, he ran and snapped it. It, it stopped in, in that back shoulder. Um, but still, I mean, you can't do much better than that. I mean, I'm only shooting 65 pounds too right. at 50 yards with a, with a light arrow, you know? So did you notice, the, did you notice the break on that? Wasn't, it didn't splinter. It was just a clean uh, break. Yeah. On I noticed yeah, that. That's interesting. I didn't notice it at the time, but now that you say that, that that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's why they're flying so straight. Well, there, there, there's a bunch of reasons why they're flying so straight, but, um, <laughs> the, the, when they break the way the carbon's weaved on that, it's always yeah. going to be a clean break. So like for safety purposes and just for structural integrity of the arrow, like if you have those carbon shards that'll just peel off after they break, it's really not, uh, it's not what you want. So when I saw that the arrow broke and I saw the picture of it, I was like, well, at least it broke properly. It broke the way it was supposed yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I did. I also grabbed the other end of it while I was gutting the deer. Right. I was in there blind, you know, fishing around and I grabbed the arrow and, um, yeah, it was nice and clean break and my, my hands were safe. So that was, that was awesome. 
Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad they're working out for you. I mean, for me personally too, like they're the, they're just the most forgiving arrow I've ever shot in my life. Yeah. I, yeah, I had the same experience. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not a guy who shoot my bow all the time. And, um, and they just, they worked great for me. I'm glad, I'm glad we could help you guys out there. Uh, Jake, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's dive into yours. Let's talk about the lucky underwear. Yeah, I, I don't have any lucky underwear. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't think underwear is not the most important thing in the woods. But, um, <laughs> let's start with let's start with the uh, the easy stuff. You know, I run the Method Two saddle, the regular size. Uh, the knee pads, as Alex mentioned, are essential. Every time you forget to throw those on before you leave the truck, your heart kind of sinks a little bit. Like. Oh no, this is not good. Not going to be the most fun set. Um, <clears throat> pack wise, I just run an old, uh, older Everly stock pack, which I, you know, really not that tied to. But I, I, for some reason, I just packs are so complicated and and finicky. The the most important thing for me is how it hauls the gear. So this pack has two lashing straps over the back. Um, it's got some, you know, bungee cords on there if you needed them for any reason. I, I would occasionally like stuff something in there. And then it's got two uh, constricting straps on the side, which are handy for like a camera arm or, you know, a thermos or something on the side of your pack. And then I'll just run, you know, my climbing sticks and then I'll stack the X-wing platform on top of those everything's stealth stripped. So it's not going to rattle around or anything like that. Um, and that, that packs real streamlined for me. And, and I just, I just like that and stick with it. It's simple. And I, you know, can remember where everything's at. So I, it's just something I haven't really changed how I'm packing stuff into the woods. I know Kevin does hang his sticks kind of, uh, it would be parallel to the ground on the bottom of the pack. And it'd be nice if this pack had two, lashing straps down there it doesn't so i just don't don't run my sticks haven't tried running the sticks like that but that's another good way to pack them and kind of separate your platform from your sticks so it's a little bit cleaner unpacking at the tree um and then alex kind of stole my two good ones i was going to mention always bring a backup a real compass a good one as a backup that you can trust to uh I, guess verify that your phone's telling you you're going in the right direction and when we're down in Ohio in there's a lot of uh, iron ore in those hills it actually you'll notice a lot of places down there are called you know such and such furnace they used to mine iron ore down there before the industrial revolution and ships were taking it from the upper peninsula in, in Michigan and your cut your magnet or your compasses can do some funny things down there. So it's always good to have two things you're looking at and not just relying on one. Cause we've definitely seen it where your, your phone, your, your hunting app will spin on you. You walk a hundred yards in one direction and then now it's telling you to go back the other way. And that's never fun in the dark. Um, so having your your hunting app where you can see the map and the topography to, to reference and, and make sure that you know you're going in the right direction is is definitely key and then like alex said in states where it's legal snips 
for either clearing a path to where, you know, if you're trying to get through some thick stuff or briars, that kind of thing. Uh, I carry a set of snips that has the, uh, it has a ratcheting action, which is really nice. Like I've used some, you know, cheap ones from like Ace Hardware or whatever, like really small ones, like, oh, this will pack great. And, and uh, I'll barely notice that, you know, I have it on me because some of them can get a little bulky, but having that ratchet action can definitely help you get through some like thicker stuff. I had a smaller set just snap right in half on me <clears throat> on the first first use of it actually. <laughs> so get yourself a quality set of those if, if you're gonna do that. And that, that ratchet helps a lot with the different varying sizes of stuff that you might be cutting. If you're in a state where you can't cut branches, like if you need to make shooting lanes or something like that, it's helpful to have a little like, you know, rolled up ball of paracord with you. You can actually just tie something on a, a branch or something that's in your way and, and pull it back out of the way. That's another kind of handy, handy thing you can do if, if you can't be cutting stuff. Um, Bow, I'm shooting this year, I'm shooting the Hoyt Ventum Pro. Um, I like great bow for me so far. It's got a really smooth draw cycle, which I like, you know, for those like cold weather sits where you haven't moved in a while and you want to, you have to draw. Like, I don't feel like I'm going to be having any issue pulling that bow back and you know getting a cramp or something in your arm or your shoulder so that's kind of what sold me on that bow honestly i was i before that i was shooting a, a matthews no cam one of the older ones and i love that bow too and so i was kind of set on that this year and just for whatever reason that i settled on the hoyt and it was that that draw cycle i just for me i i preferred it this year who knows about next year or yeah. down the road, but I'm not really, a, you know, a, a fanboy when it comes to any particular brand. I just, you know, want to use what works for me, right? So, sure. um, what else? Uh, in for climbing, aider wise, I do run aiders uh, between my sticks. I prefer. I'll use just a standard two-step aider that hangs off the stick on my bottom stick. And, you know, that, that gets you a little bit more height than just a single-step aider would, obviously. Uh, once I'm past that second stick, I like to just use a single-step aider. I made my own, but it's kind of like that Versa aider, the Versa button style. What I like about that is that it you just attach it to your foot and grab that loop up by your waistline and hang it on your, your stick. And you never have to worry about <clears throat> finding your foot through a, a loop hanging from a stick while you're at height in the dark, you know, with, you know, a bunch of heavy clothing or whatever on you. I just find that's a pretty slick way to get up and down, you know, solid. It just feels safer and, and faster for me. Um, and I, this isn't really a gear, this is more of a setup thing, but and Kevin mentioned he always likes to carry a ring of steps. I completely understand why he does that. 
but the way I set it up is I always set my platform just to the right, since I'm right-handed, I will always try and sometimes you're in a tree where you can't do this. So a ring of steps would be better, but most of the time, say 90% or more, I always set my top stick level with my platform, 90 degrees to my left. And that gives me, I guess I can walk around that tree 180 degrees with my feet if I need to. And that gives me more than 360 degrees of shot angles that I can actually shoot but behind me, you know, going in both both directions if I need to. Um, so that's just kind of another one of those little personal preference things. Um, take the gear strap, uh, our gear strap, like Kevin does, I take most of the loops off. I, I leave two of them on there. I only use one of them. And, you know, I had to hang it. If I wanted to hang my rangefinder or something in front of me, I usually have it on me. But if I have something else, like a collar rangefinder, and I just don't want it on me, I, I got an extra loop and then I'll hang my uh, bow. I've done it both ways where you use one of those loops for your bow and you just use like a, either what Kevin does with the Kydex clip or the, the hero clip hook, which that kind of, I like to leave my quiver on most of the time. So I actually like those more of a, a jawbone style uh, bow hook that you just loop our gear strap through it and set it off to your left side. Um, I've got Austin's or Genesis 3D printings, the, the foldable, um, bow hook that that as alex says it works really well uh and then you know pack off the tag end of the uh the gear strap and i'll just i'll usually have like three of those little night eyes s beaners with me that you can use for your pack on the gear strap and then you can use that to hang you know, whatever else you want off those loops on the gear strap as well. And then uh, I've got to start using that, that gear hoist though. Cause I, I don't, uh, I've just been struggling every year, just using the same old, you know, just paracord or like a long shoelace webbing style gear hoist. It's always getting tangled up and knots in it. And, <clears throat> it's a pain in the butt. And I, I, I don't know. It's just like the last thing you always think about, it seems when you, you're getting in the pack in the truck for your first hunt of the year. And I've got to do something to upgrade that this year, I think. Yeah. I think, uh, the bow hanger for me, the bow rope and the bow hanger are two things that I just like something's better got to come along. Um, the bow hoist, like Chad's a, paracord freak like he loves paracord and mm -hmm. it's like the war i just i hate paracord i don't he likes to hang trail cameras with it he puts his bow up with it like i just think it's the worst material it's the worst <laughs> thing in the world i hate it it's never no matter what it gets tangled and then he has like the finger figure eight method i don't i'm not doing that i don't i'm not gonna sit up on top yeah, of my stand that, and like do that i'm not doing it that's that's never worked with for me either I, i'm I'm pretty good with ropes and cordage, but I just, yeah, that's just not, not for me, but I hate it. everybody's different. 
Yeah. And then the, the bow hanger, uh, last year I switched to a product from Austin, but it's not the one that you guys are using. It's actually the one that goes on your tether. So you, it actually okay. attaches to your tether. Cause I don't take a, a gear strap with me. I just have my tether and that's it. And, uh, I'll, t when I film, I take the GoPro and I clip it right to my tether. So anyway, I go around the tree, it follows me around cause it's right there attached to me. My bow is attached to the tether. Um, if I don't end up hunting from a tree, I don't have extra things. So I really like that. You just have to have some type of method to keep your tether tight to the tree. Cause if you take mm -hmm. your weight off it, your bow's going to drop, which happened to me in Pennsylvania um, before, I, before I had a product that, that held it up there. Yeah. That that's happened to me once. And that, yeah, it's never fun, but you just mentioned GoPro. So like camera gear, we're all carrying camera gear with us now too. Um, so that opens up like a whole nother can of worms, but it sure does. Yeah. All right. I've got a new camera arm that I'm going to try. I haven't even tried it yet. It's that new, uh, saddle light mm -hmm. arm from fourth arrow. It so far, it looks like it's going to be pretty slick with, I was using, uh, I think it was like their micro arm last year with the three segments with just their regular base that mounts to the tree, which is was a little bit bulky for saddle hunting, I think. It's more designed for something to be permanent for a Definitely. preset. Um, it was rock solid though, but the, the satellite arm comes with a base that levels in a very similar way, but it's definitely probably about half the, the bulk and the weight. Sure. So I'm looking forward to trying that out here on cool. our next trip. Yeah. Well, I think the theme is um, streamlined, minimal, fast, just like everything latitude. That's the design. Yeah. That's, that's the people behind the design. So that makes sense. Is there anything else uh, for latitude that you guys want to mention? Anything to look forward to? Um, and we'll, we'll wrap this thing up. Um, one thing I'll throw out there is um, for everyone who's ordered a platform, from us thank you for being patient uh we know that there's been a wait uh and we we really appreciate the support on those um we did we were finally getting caught up on those and um, by the end of the month we should be totally caught up in fact we switched the website over from pre-order to uh open ordering uh with a lead time of one to two weeks at this point because that supply chain um has has caught up so if you have a platform on order and you haven't received it yet you're you'll be seeing it here very shortly if you've been wanting to buy one of those but didn't want to deal with the lead time the lead time has been shortened to one to two weeks um and and thank you again to everybody for being patient with us as we got that up and running um so that's that's all i had to say and, and obviously thanks to everybody for the support in general and um we, we hope everyone has a, a great season. Good luck out there. And um, if there's anything we can do for you, let us know. Yeah, well, I appreciate um, appreciate you guys carving some time out in your busy schedules. You guys should need to be uh, doing some work, not talking to me on this podcast. So I, I appreciate that. And uh, good luck to you guys this year, too. When you're in Ohio, you got – there's – no, you're on the western side of the state. We're on the eastern side. But if you guys ever make it through this part of the state, we'd love to have you guys into the office. And uh, like you said before, we need to link up and, and do some hunting together. 
Yeah, we need to, we definitely need to make that happen. And I would, I would love to get together with you guys for a camp. I think, I think that'd be a lot of fun. We got to be in Wisconsin with Chad and Lucas last year and that was a blast. And um, we got to get you and Jake there as well uh, at some point. So that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys. I won't hold up uh, any more of your day and uh, good luck this year. Appreciate it, Cam. Thanks, Cam. Thanks for having us. Thank you.